episode 97 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about our Games of the Month for March 2023. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about the games we managed to play in our busy month, including our picks for what we want to get back to the table, what might leave our collection, and Game of the Month. Aaron is even a little bit sick in this episode, so please excuse us if some sniffles got through the edit. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about what we played in March. I don't even remember the Ides. Of March? Went fast. There was so much happening in March. Basement's still coming along. Doing excellent. Jason's getting married very soon. The bells are ringing. Yeah. Even though we don't have a real schedule, we try to put out four episodes a month about. Somewhere in there. A lot of times they're smushed together at one point of the month. The last episode was the February month in review, and here we are in the March month in review. And I'll say, I I don't feel like, I wish I had played more games. I mean, we didn't play, we still played a lot of games by maybe non-heavy board gamer standards, but well, we did not play a lot of games by our standards. And my list of games that I'm about to read off is going to sound as long as every other month, and that's about accurate, but I played a lot of digital games this time. That's like kind of how they snuck their way in. So really, when you say the Ides, from around the Ides, I uh, I picked up a bunch of BGA games with people on Ruel Gaviolas Discord. Oh. And I just finished the last of those this morning. So that was the whole back half of March. I both wasn't playing as many games as I wanted to and also had about seven BGA games going. Ongoing. Yeah. In the background. I played, which is a, a better representation of the actual board games we've played. You did some solo stuff, but we played together 12 games. Yeah, I played maybe 40. I don't know that that number's super right, but quite a bit. I think there's a game that you played that I did well. No, that's going to be in April because we're actually recording this one in April. There's definitely a big game that you played that I didn't in April, and that'll be a whole different discussion. I think you played Oh Heck on Sovranti because you were watching over my shoulder and backseat driving the game until I just got up. Adam and I were playing. I did play that game, yeah. Yeah. So that one, and I think I don't otherwise have that one listed. And then all the other games played this month were Topple Soap Clever, Dice Miner, Shobu, Sushi Go Party, Bandata, The Isle of Cats, Role Player, Wayfarers of the South Tigris, Architects of the West Kingdom, Planet Unknown, Chess, Five Tribes, Fantastic Factories, Rolling Heights, Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum, Tiny Towns, The Night Cage, Pachacuna, Streets, Atelier, The Painter Studio, Azul, Carcassonne, Nefarious, Warp's Edge, Clever Hawk Dry, Cover Your Assets, Maquis, Splendor, Boop, Planted, A Game of Nature and Nurture, Level 10, Point Salad, That Time You Killed Me, Downtown Farmer's Market, Gift of Tulips, Metro X, Hedgehog Hop, Palm Island, Rolling Japan, and Town 66. And the ones played the most, I think you played that time, you killed me a couple times. Twice. I think it's Adam. I played Doppel So Clever. That was the app. I played that a couple times. And then where and with who did we play games? I had half of mine at Indie Coffee Roasters, the local coffee shop we go to on Saturdays. And that absolutely helps get like a minimum number of games played every week and then every month. Almost like vacation time. Like, you know, there's taking big vacations where you actually get on a plane or get in your car or whatever train and actually go somewhere away. We just take a weekly vacation. But we just take a weekly Saturday morning vacation with to the coffee house, play some games, no matter what else is going on. So that's just like the mini vacation in our week. 
And that really helps when things get kind of busy and we feel like, you know, a lot of your free time is kind of getting pulled into these other projects. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that half at the other half about we're at home or on apps. I played a lot of things on Sovranti. I think it's wonderful that there are so many ways to digitally play board games that lets you experience new games, usually for less out-of-pocket money, usually with people from all over the world. I think it's great that there's so many options that I can say Sovranti isn't one of my favorites, and I don't think that it's likely that I'll be using it again. Right. That said, they had this March Madness challenge going. They were kind of had different teams, and it was more of a social media thing. When I, I've pulled away from social media, it's just it's a difficult thing to be on and manage your time. So I'm not really on social media that much anymore. If I still was, I think that would have made it maybe a little more fun because I probably would have seen what other people were playing. But I really just did it to try to support, you know, one of my favorite creators. And I know he had a bit of a month as well. I think he had a lot going on too. 12 games were on Sovranti. A lot of those were solo, which was interesting. And I think that all went well. Overall, I think I'd still pick one of the other digital implementations for board games. Both Adam and I agreed like that one wasn't our favorite to come back to, but it all worked fine. Once we kind of got it up and running and going, it all worked fine. So that wasn't the problem there. Aside from the digital ones, I played stuff with you. That was that was pretty much it. Because you played so many games on so many different platforms, your pie chart doesn't really show hitherto, but a good percentage of oh. mine were played at hitherto. No, that is your pie chart. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like My pie chart, oh. it shows up. I'm guessing on your pie chart, hitherto is not notable. My, it, it is always such a tiny slice of pie. Yeah. I will say, because the pie chart that we're referencing here, if you use Board Game Stats app, and you can like share it for us being really our main play your main play group really one person just has to keep track of it if you're not really playing that much outside of that play group um so my pie charts they'll give you days of the week so they'll show you what days you were playing games and then they'll also give you locations if you log the locations so mine is 36 percent at home 29 percent on sovranti those are the ones they give me numbers for then they get too skinny so then it goes board game arena then apps then indie coffee roasters oh right so yeah it's much different and now saturday is still a big chunk of my games it's not 50 percent. saturday and monday and i think monday was a day that i played a whole lot of things on sovranti my my graph for the days of the week looks like pac-man with saturday being the non-voided part yeah that's the the pac-man part yeah i didn't realize that sovranti was pretty close to a third of my games but that checks out i did one of the ones I played on there, Planet Unknown, I did like being able to play it on there solo. And Adam and I both will just like start playing a game. We don't know the rules. Just Drives just, me nuts. I know, I, you I, can't, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I know. It's like, what is the purpose of anything? But that was one that I played on there that in doing that kind of gave me a feel for the game. And then for me, that's more of like an advertisement to do I want to read the full rules, pursue playing this with other people but yeah played a a lot of stuff on there and the last part of the month in review is what we added to the collection and sold now i did not sell anything still haven't sold anything and really i want to get through the list a little more that's where i say oh it's too busy sitting here in april we're trying to get through every one of our games before go to gen Gen Con. con that's in early august so do we add more games to the collection than i played this month well i mean you played some of them <laughs> so we added now there was a big bulk of these games that technically adam bought maybe even last year 
He went to some kind of sale near him where there was like this board game clearance. There were all kinds of things. Either I know he had a damage box on one of them that was like $2 for underwater cities. And other ones were just part of some kind of clearance. So it was a great deal. It doesn't help us meet our goal when there's lots of very good, very cheap games. So from that hall of games was Battle Line, Dragon Castle, Doctor Who Dice, Ice Cool, Prodigal's Club, Last Will, Underwater Cities, Ragusa, Whirling Witchcraft, and Lantern Dice. So those were just the ones that Adam had bought. And really this happened a while ago, but they are now actually at our house. Aside from that, we also got Wayfarers of the South Tigris. That was also a clearance deal because there's a hole in the back of the box. I really, I hate holes in boxes because I'm very shallow, vain board game collector where I like all the boxes to be perfect and everything. But the discounts that you can get when the box is damaged and you're not even playing with the box, like it's such a great idea. So it's hard to pass up. And I now have, I think, four games that have some pretty serious holes in the box. And I feel like it's a, a method for me to deal with like, it's okay for things to be imperfect and to focus on the function of right. them. Yeah, I feel like it's a growing step, but it also means that I bought another game. Steam Up, A Feast from Dim Sum, that one came from Kickstarter. Star Wars, the deck building game. Shobu, Paris La Cité de Lumière. And Gugong, Haijun, all kinds of things I'm not pronouncing correctly. Those last four, it was like a buy more, save more at Hitherto. Oh, right, right. I'm not wild about each one of those purchases, which we may or may not get into, but that's still, that's fine. So that was everything that we added to the collection. So yeah, it was, I think it might've been more than you played this month. Nothing sold yet. I, the new games, uh, I kind of cleared out section in our shelves so that I would have like this open hole ready for Gen Con, also a little motivating to get through the games. And now that hole is partially filled up in the shelves with the new acquisition. So it's kind of like, ooh, I felt really good about having that open space ready for new things. And now it's it's filled it's filled back up again. So I think definitely it seems like you couldn't start an acquisitions incorporated shelf. You know what? That was a bad joke. Well, so here's the attempt. thing. There's a pan, there's a second legacy, Clank Legacy coming out you're making that as an aside but actually i'm making an aside face right now that people can't see i'm very excited and i, I do think, not know about this i think it has the first one was like all cooperative i think this has competitive elements to it now where it's maybe more like regular clank oh i felt like there was competitive elements in the in the other one a little, I guess more is right. the idea okay. here. And you were ultimately working together in the last one that actually is a very good reason to clear out even more, space. even more space. I don't know when that. I don't know when that's coming. And that's the thing too. We're talking about oh, this lead up to Gen Con. Now that we're kind of getting into April, I probably April, May. A lot of the announcements for board games that you start hearing, it is not uncommon for them to be coming out at Gen Con, like right? Just kind of being held in a sense for Gen Con, or um, some of those later in the other later in the year conventions. But Gen Con's a pretty big one. I think when we get into like. June and July, July. Hopefully we're at the end game of our list and also taking a little bit more of a hard look at what do we really think should stay. That makes it tough because of the games we played this month, there's a lot of them that I would just like to play more and we're gonna keep on moving to back to the table. What game would we like to play more? I feel like there is a ton. I like Every time I looked at the list of 40, I was seeing other things that I was like, oh, that would be good too. That would be good too. So this was, right. this was a hard one to pick. And there are these favorite games that 
again, at this point, at this pace, we're only playing once a year and it feels like that's not enough times to play it. So do you have a back to the table for the month or more than one? Cause I'm really not, I'm not going to be so restrictive. We're not giving like real awards here. I, I think for me, the back to the table is I'm just going to do one and it's partly because it's so easy to replay. So it's not even a big lift to get it back to the table. And that's nefarious. It's quick. Oh, it's fun. I've right. always liked it. Yeah. We played it this month. I enjoyed yeah. the playthrough. I tried to do a different thing than I typically do. It did not work. I believe you won, but I had a great time anyway. I had more fun than I usually do with Nefarious. I think it's not bad at two. I think that there are um, the the basic idea of the game is that you're all mad scientists and you're trying to create compa- um, contraptions or inventions and win. But you know, there's cards, there's points, there's right. money. That's what you're doing. There's this idea that you can send spies out. So Everyone gets to pick the action they want to do. There's four different actions every turn. It's kind of a hidden thing. Like you pick the action, you put it face down, and everyone reveals at the same time. You have these spies that you place on a board where if someone does the action that you're spying on, you get some money. So in two players, you get double money. Is that how it works? that's correct. Yeah. So you get double money when someone does it, which kind of accelerates the game, kind of keeps the values of the cards, which are the inventions, to be about right. And then there are these... Twists, I think they're called, where hypothetically you could could play without any of them. But there's all these cards that have twists and they just change some part of the rules requirement. I think it's possible that at two players, there's probably some of those twists that are super not as fun. But we had a couple good ones this time. And I always play that game where I think that the cost of the card is the points of the card. Oh yeah, that's not right. It's not true. They're in a whole they're in a separate part of the card that's explained clearly in the rules. There's no reason for me to think that. But all the time I'm like, oh, I'm gonna win so fast. And I'm like, oh right, I'm not halfway there yet. Cool. Yeah, that's but I, I think it's it's the twist give it some replay value and it is like the rules are so super simple. Like you're not taking more than five minutes to get back up to speed on the rules. And the oh, game's it's a very under, short, and yeah, the game's it's a short under a half hour. Yeah. It's really just um, the iconography. There's not that much of it and it's very clear. And yeah. the kind of flow of the game, because you're picking the action cards, it also goes pretty fast. There's not, there's not really a lot to sit and analyze. So after you game. spied on all my inventions, what are you bringing back to the table? I, like I said, felt like I could have brought almost everything that we played out of our collection actually almost everything i felt like was a good contender for back to the table this time but i'm gonna say well i'm gonna say it to the side because you weren't even a part of this i played a lot of solo games mm-hmm. especially solo games we have play mats for there's one more that i need to do cartographers but i played role player and fantastic factories i love fantastic factories but i'm not it's not getting any of these call outs um, role player is kind of one because we have a lot of expansions for it and I have not played them all. And I got the playmat recently, just kind of didn't expect to see it, picked it up. So that one I kind of would like to play more and discover more of the content. But the actual thing I'm picking is Wayfarers of the South Tigris. Oh, nice. I just mentioned iconography on Nefarious. Now, all of Shim Phillips games are excellent at having very clear and consistent iconography. They also have a lot of it. So there is a ton of icons everywhere in Wayfarers. And you're trying to, the idea is that you're a scientist a long time ago, and you're kind of tracking the stars and you're exploring 
uh, the land together to, you know, gain all these insights and you're journaling things to be able to share that knowledge. So I like the theme. It's some dice. Is it like dice worker placement? Did we manipulate the dice too? I can't yeah, remember. I think so. It's been a while. It's Again, been, I don't remember the odds. It's been a while and it actually hasn't been that long because right. that wasn't like I didn't get that. I didn't buy that game until close to the middle of the month, but whew, I tell you. It's been a month. I'd like to play that one again because we also had to rush at the end of playing it. We were out and we needed to be on to the next thing. Oh, right. So I feel like we didn't really get to enjoy it. Again, everything I'm saying is like opposite of nefarious. So much analysis paralysis. Right. And trying to figure out what's going on, especially when you're new to Wayfarers and you're trying to connect things. I ended up falling completely backwards into a strategy you have like overall you're moving across these journaling pages on the center board sort of thing and i got to a point where you have two options for like where you can go next and each of those is going to have requirements that's the way it is all the way across the board and i was kind of far away from both of those and then i was like oh i didn't you know first time playing the game like i'm stuck i don't know what to do I didn't expect to need these things. Like I just wasn't thinking that far ahead. And so I was like, I kind of lost momentum on a few turns while I figured that out. But if I had looked one more step beyond that and clear to the end of the board, I would have realized I was perfectly set up for everything after that. Right, right. But I I was a little too myopic. Like I was very much focused on task at hand. That's kind of my deal. I got a little concerned about it. And then after that, like strong point of like uh, friction, I just slid all the way through the rest of that game. So it kind of helped us because that helped bring the game to an end faster. But I think it also like, that wasn't my, that wasn't my strategy. That wasn't my planning that got me there. Right, right. Also didn't feel like I really earned it. I think I got kind of lucky. It was a fun, I, I think I played very horribly, but it's first playthrough. Yeah. And it was, and I mean, only horribly in relation. You, you scored exceedingly well uh, and we were rushed. But I, I, I felt like I enjoyed the mechanics of it and would, would enjoy trying to play it again with more insight. And I think that was harder at two players. I think that kind of landslide thing happens because of the way the scoring goes at the end. It right. can very much compound. So there's only two people and you know that's how the scoring works and you don't yeah, take the it's, card or the thing. It's limited scoring and there's like one or two or three ways that you can score a ton of points, almost almost more than any other points you score. And mm-hmm. what I didn't appreciate as we played through is like, oh, you, you have to stop one person from getting all of those. Yeah, and I think it's probably not as true in more players. Right. Like it's probably just not player count, that. I think especially. But yes. it, it, was still, it was still a well-designed game, I think pretty fun. And speaking of that, two-player... And I know that I, we're not actually going to get rid of this game. There's a couple other things I thought about. I played Azul this time. It's already gone, so it's already been cold. I played it on BGA. Uh, Warp's Edge was a solo game, and I liked it more the last time I played it than when I played it this month. Rolling Japan, I don't know if it's quite good enough. I don't know that I'm going to keep that. However, I know this is not genuine, but I was going to say Five Tribes for Collection. And that's because... Oh, we're on a collection. Now I missed the transition. We're on to call action. Got games it. that we're getting Got rid it. of. C-U-L-L. I'm picking that one because I don't think it was very good at two. We played just the base game. We have two more expansions for it. A lot of the games we're playing as we try to get through all of our games once, we're not including the expansions just to make it a little easier. And I feel like one ton of analysis paralysis in five tribes. And right. then also when it is versus there and you're the way you have to um, bid on your turns, you can kind of have back to back turns or not. In any case, 
it feels like you're playing to avoid a mistake more than you are playing to win sometimes. You need to make sure you don't leave the other person a whole bunch of points more than really focus on what are you doing to get a lot of points because it's just... And I think it, it struggles at higher player counts unless you have evenly matched people because I think at higher players... set things up in the same way. More specifically, at higher player counts, if there's someone who is a weaker player, the player going after them almost always wins because oh, they, they they're the ones who benefit from up. the mistakes. Yeah. yeah, They're more likely to leave too good of an option on the board on yeah. accident. We have not played it at imbalanced skill levels, but I could see that being a problem. It's so often, what I felt was so often true was, okay, let's say I could get 10 points, but it makes a lot more sense for me to get eight points if it'll limit you to five points right. instead of me taking 10 points and then you get 12 points. Because really, I got negative two points. I will then. say... One of my really fun strategies is if like I can get like 15 points, but like it sets up a super mega combo, but I've gone last in the round, like still doing that because you know that that you combination is so good that people are going to have to pay for it, but it's, oh, they have to pay for it. They're so going to have to bid high on it. Some of their, because so it reduces the tribes, benefit of it. Yeah. You have uh like a six by six grid, seven by seven. I don't know. You have a lot of square tiles and randomly put on them are five tribes of meeple, different colors. And they just randomly go out there and each one of the colors has a different power. And what I do like a lot about Five Tribes is it has a Mancala mechanism where you choose a tile that has people on it. You pick that up and then you move them in any direction you want. They can kind of snake orthogonally, around. Orthogonally, yeah. Yeah, orthogonally. You can't go diagonally. And you drop one of the meeples on every tile that you pass. And then wherever you end, whatever the last meeple you have, it has to match the color of a meeple on that tile. So you can't end on an empty tile. You can only end where you begin if you have five. 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 Because you have to wrap all the way around and then end somewhere that has somebody on it. Because you, you have to drop the color you want to match. You yeah, have you to have drop to... the color you want to match. So you have to have two of the same color when you in pick the five, them up. Yeah. And um, the way that the points and the actions on your turn work if you do something you're the last one to go in that round and you leave something amazing well at the start of every round everyone bids to see who's going to go first you bid with coins but coins oh, are points. points yeah so there's no distinction even though you may use them to pay for things other things in the game do you use them to pay for anything else yeah. Uh, I think you, yeah, you definitely spend coins in order to get cards on two of the tile types. Oh, right. In order to get things from the market. So yeah, there are some other cards that you can get with these same points. So Aaron's suggesting if you have some kind of big 15 point thing that you've left, but everyone's gonna have to bid for it. They're gonna, they're not actually gonna get 15 points because they're, someone's gonna need to pay. If no, if everyone decides not to pay, they're gonna have to pay at least one, I think. Which is how that would work in a in a four player game? Yeah, well, in a two player a game, someone's got to pay one. Oh, right, because right, right. you each have two pawns. Yeah, so someone had to pay at least one. And there's another really again high level analysis paralysis thing of like, okay, I'm bidding for turn order, but I'm bidding with points. And when is it right to give up points in order to get an advantage? Because that means not only do you want to get an advantage if you spent five or eight or whatever, not only do you want to get an advantage. You want to create a disadvantage for everyone else that follows you to help recoup the money that you spent on going first. And yeah. that's where I say, sometimes you don't, the 15 isn't even good because what you have to do to get the 15 
give someone else 12 and they paid zero. So you actually want to take 12 or 10 and just wreck the ability to get 15 at all. Yeah. Oh, and it's just like, it's, it is good. I think it's an excellent game, but I think it's a game. I think like a lot of games, it's a game that is better if you play it more because then you're quickly seeing the intricacies and your analysis paralysis is not taking so long because you see the patterns faster. I think it gets a little, I don't think that it actually, for me, I feel like, and this is my complaint, like I have to crunch so hard and I feel like the more I play it, the more I, and the more I play games in general, the more I understand what's at stake. I just move the meeples. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. Anyways. My the, collection. Yes. Game, um, this one for me is a clear winner in the clubhouse of collection. One of the games you mentioned that you purchased like a discount multiplier game at Hitherto. And yeah. in that collection of games you purchased was Shobu. Oh, yeah. Which is already a game where you move little things around and they move all the time. And it's a spatial reasoning game. And I detest it. And I'm very Man, bad at it. It doesn't look doesn't look a whole lot different than chess. It's different than chess for it a few different. reasons it that I don't different. think. It's more like Abalone, which I'm also notably famously terrible at. There's like a chain reaction of movement. Is that, is that what you mean? That you're yeah, moving one thing chess, to move something One piece else. moves at a time. And that was, uh, we don't have that time you killed me. I thought it was a thing that I wouldn't like. And it turned out to be a thing that you didn't like for very much the same reason. In yep. both of these games, uh, in that time you killed me, there are three boards. In Shobu, there are four boards, and they're like smaller boards. They're all set on the table in front of you. Moving something on one board can affect the other boards, and this is a sort of personal hellscape that Aaron is disinterested in now. And the production quality of it was poor, which you also noted. That's for Shobu. I'm guessing that time you killed me is all right, but we played that one digitally. For Shobu, the one that you're saying for our collection. Your response. The production quality, it's just that... It was expensive, and it was like 30-some dollars. It has black stones and white stones in it, and it has an actual, like, uh, rope, like a thick, like, uh, I don't know what you call it. It doesn't actually make any difference in the game. It's just a rope they just threw in the box. It has... It had, no effect. It only has the effect of giving the game the look of something that is ancient, and like possibly uh, like an old game that was discovered. I don't think that's true. I think that it's just a creative game. game. But it gives you this sense of like, oh, we would draw a line in the dirt and then draw these, you know, grids in the dirt and just use the stones. It has like a Mancala-y. Like if you think about a Mancala set, this doesn't look that different than it. Yeah, and your solution was, well, let's stain this and make it nicer. And then my solution was, put it on the cold list. (laughs) My solution wasn't saying to make it nicer. What I didn't like was that I paid $35 for something that I could easily do with a piece of paper. I mean, it's a glorified tic-tac-toe board times four. Exactly. And you'd have to actually use like coins or something. You couldn't do tic-tac-toe because everything's moving back and forth. Right, right, right. But like... So the fact that you could just so easily make your own version of the game, and then for the game that I got, the wooden boards were the stain on them. Because two of them are dark, two of them are light, and that has an effect in the game. The stain on them looked like it was water damaged. It's a new in box sealed. Like right. This wasn't a used game. So it came sealed for kind of too much money, which I think from the craft store, I could have got pebbles. I could have got rope. Oh, right. I could have got some kind of wooden something and just routed out a grid and i don't know that i would have been out 
the same amount of money. And I think that I would be able to make something I liked better for definitely the same amount of money. Yeah. So that's my gripe about it. But I had an aesthetic gripe and a value gripe. Uh, I, I also didn't like the game. But Aaron has like a functional gripe. You, the split of the boards, you have to move it on one board and then move it on another and board. Wanna, and I it's w- like a passive move and an aggressive move. I want to be clear. I don't like the game because I'm bad at it. I don't think it's a bad game. If you think that you might like Shobu and like some timey-wimey BS nonsense, like by all well, means. That's not necessarily the best way. And it's a two it's two player only. Yeah. And I think of it chessy in the sense that it's two player only. You are doing pieces on a board and you are trying to do a strategic kind of entrapment. Because what we realized were you always have to move a stone on your side of the center rope. And it can be on the dark board or the white or the whiteboard. You have both of those. You have to do that first as your passive action. As your aggressive action, you have to move one on the opposite color. So if it's you're on your side on the light board, you move a stone, you have to mirror that move on one of the two dark boards. It can be on your side or the other person's side. Well, what we kind of found out in playing it, what you found out was that you were losing pieces on your home boards which meant you didn't actually have that many variety of aggressive actions you could take because you can only set them up with your passive move from your side. So there was a place where I was thinking like, oh, how can I stop him from doing this? And I didn't realize like, oh, he can't do that because he can't take the passive action anymore because he's running out of stones. Right. That can go the right direction. That's right. Yeah. 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 It was, I mean, it was... I think, but I think if I played more, I'd get better at it. But we have so many games. Yeah, yeah, this is true, and I think it is right to say that, like, it is some high level tic tac toe. Yeah, in a good way. And I, I've mastered tic tac toe. Well, so but let, let's talk you. about. So I'll go first if you don't mind on the game of the month. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna go. I only played twelve games. Yes. Um. So I I, I don't have like a clear standout for game of the month. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm gonna go just on component quality, even though I think the game maybe left a little bit to be desired. Do you want to guess, or do you want to just? Oh, you can just tell me. Uh, Steam up a feast of dim sum. It was oh. much awaited. The components were very nice. I'm very surprised you're picking it for your game of the month. Well, I, I, again, there's not a lot. You didn't have a lot of games. This a month. lot of games, and yeah, like, I, and fair. I don't think we like shared that the games that I played. But that time you killed me, we've discussed. I didn't like Wayfarers of the South Tigris. We've already mentioned. Yeah. And I, I had five tribes. He's in your collection. I don't terribly disagree. Rolling Heights, Steam Up a Feast for Dim Sum. Oh, you know, uh, Rolling Heights was good. Uh, Pachacana could have been picked. It's a pretty good game. Oh, uh, yeah. I Outlier, the, the Painter Studio, I didn't particularly love, I don't think. The Fairies no. we talked about. Oh, heck, I liked a lot, but it's not a game of the month. Like, like It's not it's like, not, it's, it's yeah, like it's a like comedy it's... that's never winning an Oscar, right? Like, it's a fun game. Oh, okay. It's okay. never winning the award. Planted, I, I like parts of it and don't like other oh, parts of it. Planted is fine. And then Shobu was obviously not on the list because it was uh, right. taken off. Downtown Farmer's Market, honestly, uh, again. Downtown Farmer's Market is a very small game by Blue Orange. It comes in one of their magnetic clothes boxes, like uh, Next Station London comes in that as well. It is better than... Than I think either of us expect. Yeah, I think every it's there's a lot in it. It's tiny. It's just little square tiles, and it's just super simple, dead simple iconography. And you're just trying. It's you're really kind of assembling a little puzzle it's, it's just, just for yourself. It's an increasingly difficult, fun math draft problem. Yeah, because yeah. you have a uh, goals you're trying to get. You you make your own grid because there are these square tiles, and you put goals along the uh, rows and columns. 
And so that means you have these intersecting objectives that you're trying to meet in this four by four grid that you're creating. And you're just drafting tiles to do that. Tiles have icons. Your goals are based on the icons, whether they're there or not there, getting exactly the right amount or not the right amount. And that's it. That's the whole game. Well, honestly, gosh, do you, you're just like, you find yourself near the end, like, oh, I just, I just need a milk and a corn. I just need a milk and a corn right here and i can go like two rounds and kind of float but if i don't get that for the end like i'm i'm hosed yeah and i think it's high strategy because of the way the draft works where you take and it, it's it's recurring so like yeah in one, one round you get left in one round you get two cards and in another round you get one card and it depends on whether or not you've gone first in that round and then the cards kind of carry through the next round so you have to like yeah. strategically not leave your opponent stuff and leave your stuff want, yeah. it's 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 honestly i'll make an amendment that that is a better game than because the, you complained about cute. steam up looks it's very fantastic, pretty i was gonna give it on component quality but right that's true it doesn't really have now, there are other um, characters you can play as that give you more different powers that add a little bit of variety and might add a little more challenge. But overall, it's it's pretty easy. Like, it's it, you don't feel as though there's no way you can get what you want. I, I felt like it doesn't have a thing that I like in games where, like, it doesn't force you to make hard decisions. It's pretty clear what's right. the thing to do at any given time. And not only, I feel like it's not only that it doesn't make you have you make hard decisions. There's not heavy consequences to making the wrong decisions. I think it might be better at multiple players because there's that's the true. rotating of the tables, which is pretty pretty blah in two players. Yeah, they have these six um, dim sum. I don't know what they're called. We've never actually had dim sum. It did make me want to have dim sum. We um, still didn't. Yeah, we got time. Um, there's these six different little stacked dim sum containers and they do change for two, three, and four players what you can pick from. Right. And it might be true that when you get to four players, because it's a little more restrictive, it also gets a little more strategic. But for us, it felt like once something was really on my side, it was not, it wasn't impossible for you to get it anyway. But it was pretty easy for me to try to get it back if you spun it. Yeah, yeah. It so was... that felt like eh, it. It didn't really matter. So like half the table is kind of like yeah, I don't off feel limits, like... but not really. There was not really a, a significant reward for no. long term planning or a significant no. benefit or no. or saving it. Like yeah, it just it just yeah. So the farmers market. What, what you know? What, I think you're gonna have Don't a better entry for the game of the month. Here's the thing. I kind of forgot. Like in looking over my games, I kind of forgot about rolling heights. I, it's not going to take the game of the month, but I'm going to mention it here that it worked. It deserves it because it worked way better than we thought it would. Uh, you're rolling meeples into a little box. And that I already thought like, is this going to be good? It was great. It borrows from Cubitos. So if you kind of like Cubitos, but could also go for something that had a little more strategic depth, a little more, not area control, but you're definitely building up this city. It has, it's a little bit uh, fiddly because of the way you stack the cubes in right. the, on different tiles. We knocked them down more than once. That was easy to fix in our game, in a two-player game where we were pretty separate. But that could be absolutely insane yeah for another game so i think it would be nice if there was kind of a better way to corral those cubes for an accidental like table shake which would be like could be pretty bad so yeah that was good that was another one that came from kickstarter but it came from kickstarter last month i think but the one i'm actually gonna pick it was a whole thing when we played it for a whole other reasons but i'm gonna pick atelier oh the, the painter. painter studio it's one that i got uh, maybe did I actually get it in Chicago at that board game cafe we go to? That sounds right. 
uh, bonus round, I think is what bonus it's called. Round, I know we played it there and I kind of think like, I don't know that I would have bought it somewhere else and brought it into Chicago. But anyways, um, that's where we first played it. We played it at uh, Indie Coffee Roasters and it is not a game I hear about a lot right. at all. The idea is that now, I've heard this same theme in another game that I got rid of, I think. Um, and it's not that different than Fresco either. Fresco and uh, what's that other one? The Sunset Over Water. Sure. Are both games where you're like a painter and you're going out to make the paintings and the stuff. And in, in Fresco, I think you're even getting the different paint colors to make the painting. That's also happening here. But there's an interesting aspect to this where you're paying your workers to get majority at like the blue paint store. And only if you have majority at the blue paint store can you actually collect paint when you do that action. And there's a bunch of different actions more or less similar to that. Putting out your workers, actually making a painting, et cetera, et cetera. And you're rolling dice to do that. And there's another interesting uh, mechanism or like the, the way the rules work that you roll four dice, your opponent rolls four dice or however many people you have playing. You get to pick how many actions you want to take on your turn with the dice you've rolled. So if you like your dice, you can take four actions and then you're done for the round. And uh, the other people playing might go back and forth. They might play one dice and then when their turn comes back to them, they'll roll their other three and play something else. So you're looking at like the dice that I have, what are the actions I can do with those dice? How advantageous is it for me to do it right now versus waiting for someone else as you make uh as you complete paintings they'll have like some special powers so those special powers might work better for you to just do all your actions at the beginning of a round versus kind of trying to wait for the end of the round or vice versa so i felt like there was just more depth there than i remembered the first time and i think in playing a bunch of other games sometimes games we've never heard of coming back to this one felt like there's a lot of really solid things happening here that I like. Yeah, I, I think it uses a lot of interesting mechanics in an interesting way that I haven't seen before and is fun and strategic and engaging. Yeah. The whole other part of it, which I'm not going to get super deep into, but also going to reference in another way, is that my mom, she doesn't listen to the podcast. She knows that we do this. I don't think she ever Hello. hears it. No, she's not going to hear it. <laughs> no. Hi, mom. She was an art teacher. She's now retired. She was an art teacher for many years. And this whole game is filled with like classical art. And it says the, I'm guessing this is the manner in which they're able to print it for the game. It says both the artist's name and then like what collection it's in, like what museum it's currently being housed in. So uh, we were playing at the coffee shop and I took a picture of the game and sent it to my mom and said like, oh, we're playing this classic art game. And she said, oh, it all looks so familiar. And then when I was done, because you've made all these different paintings as you've gone along. So then when I was done, I kind of had like this gallery of painting and I sent it to her and she said a wonderful thing about how you, uh, it's something that Adam has also quoted, I think on this podcast. So it comes up a lot that like, you fill your life with beautiful things and it fills your soul with beautiful things. Like that's how you allow beauty into your life. And I think that some of the ways that I will talk about myself kind of negatively about being a super vain gamer and like, I want it to look pretty. I think that's where it comes from is this idea that you spend your time with beautiful things when you're interacting with these games that have wonderful components. And if they are really making you feel inspired and you really are being pulled in by the art that is contributing to the beauty of your life and the beauty of your soul. Yeah. And I think 
it is a very, very pretty game. The printings are high quality. I think it's nice. Honestly, like if it was all out, like, oh, we love this art. The game could probably look better than it does because everything else about it, like the artwork again that they have printed from these master artists uh, across time is wonderful but every other component in that game is fine oh yeah they're just little wooden blocks it's fine the paint's yeah. just wooden blocks the the painter meeples i think have like they're not standard meeples they look a little different but they're not that the card backs i, I like, think are pretty boring they have like a palette for your player mat which is kind of fun they have a palette for your player mat, and that's pretty cute but it's something that like in the age now of kickstarter i don't know when that game was even released but it would be exciting for it to have gotten more of a Kickstarter treatment where some of the little painters, like if they had been Picasso or more referencing. Yeah. If like, if your individual person, even if you don't have a player power, if it had been more referencing some certain artist or something that could have been neat. If the paint wasn't just, they're like little cylinders. If the paint wasn't just little cylinders, if they were actually like, Right. Looked more like little paint tubes or jars or something like that. Like those little things, it could have had a nicer production. The The dice themselves could have been more than just bog standard dice. So yeah, it's not like the production is crazy. The box is kind of big for what's I in I know there. you hate big boxes with little with not enough components. Store in a lot of boxes. So yeah, I do. Um, but that is my, that's going to be my game of the month. To wrap it up. We talk about what are we looking forward to playing next month as a way that we kind of ride off into the sunset and into our gaming future. So we have like a 13-foot piece of paper on our wall. It's not 13 feet. It is 10. It feels like 13 feet because I am 5'9". Yeah, And it's, it's higher it than me by a lot. It had to be next to the staircase because it's 10. Of the games we haven't played. So to prepare for this podcast, I looked to see any of those games that we had not played, they were unchecked. Yeah. It was a very easy one to pick because there's oh. a game on there that is, I think, among my favorite games that we have not played yet. And I think this month, with all of the wedding travels and handlings, we might be able to play it handlings. in person with more people than we normally would. How do you... Okay. Well, furnace. Furnace. I've, I've almost picked Furnace off the shelf for the coffee house more yeah. than once. Furnace is very fun. I think it should be a part of April. Yeah, there's a Interbellum expansion, which we played at Gen Con last year. Yeah. I think it's actually getting to the point where maybe it's getting released. Like, I've, I've heard more people talk about it, but I haven't personally seen it in a store yet. Um, so, yeah, and I think there maybe is a solo mode in that expansion as well, which would be pretty exciting. Furnace is a good pick, re- reasonable pick. I, the, the batch of games that came from Adam, I'm pretty excited for, I mean, almost all of them. Uh, this isn't what I'm actually going to pick, but Last Will and The Prodigal's Club are kind of uh, spiritual successors, kind of sequels to one another. And in both of them, you're trying to like lose all your fortune is the idea. Oh. You're try- and they, you know, there's a thematic reason why that's appropriate. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to playing those for the first time, just in general, as I've heard about them over time. I also got Ice Cool, and I think that's the one I'm going to pick. It's a little like kind of family, maybe even kids dexterity games. But Aaron, you tend to really like some sort of family. And I might say dumb dexterity games. What? You really like uh, a game of cat and mouse. You know what? That's a delightful game. And we also have a uh, connect four shots where it's you know connect what? four, but you're like throwing them. You're making great points. So this ice cool, they're kind of like a wobbly 
uh, little penguin guys that have rounded bottoms. And when you flick them, you can flick them a couple different ways and they'll move in slightly predictable patterns. And I think it's a one versus many game technically. And you're trying to uh, shoot these penguins through this course, the way the box comes, it's filled with smaller boxes. So when you put it out on the table, you have like all these different rooms with little doorways and you're trying to flick the penguins around this arena. You so, know, I, I think it might go back to my days as a paper football star. Sure. And, and you know, that was that was a good part of my childhood. I was among the better paper football folders in my, in my class. Right. So the point I'm making is I'm excited for a lot of the games yet to come and even getting through them so that I feel as though I can, I know I can play any game again already, but I can feel as though I can come back and play games. But that one I got kind of for you and I'm excited to see if you like actually it. like it. Yeah. Looking forward to Ice Cool in April, even though I want to play a lot more games in April, uh, we're still pretty busy. So hopefully we'll have more episodes. And I know that there is a big episode that I won't be on because I didn't play the game, but that already happened over the weekend yeah i think it might be it might be recorded one twilight and it'll come to you soon after that almost it was almost a pun almost yeah thank you so much for listening to episode 97 be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We miss recording these and getting them posted for you, and we're hoping that after this early April busy season, we can absolutely soak in our collection and get back to posting many more episodes. We were planning to do something special for our 100th episode, but we also anticipated that that would have happened a while ago, so we'll see. Aaron was trying to tease an episode for Twilight Imperium, not realizing that there's also a game called Twilight Struggle, but he and Adam and Jason played TI4 over the weekend. The next episode will be hopefully not our games of the month for April, but I've been wrong before. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 96 more episodes headed your way, the next one being our games of the month for February 2023. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Thank you.